Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metalsmithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian, and as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to the dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Buongiorno. Our guests today are Zenaba and Matt, who moved from Nashville, Tennessee, with their three cats to Soriano nel Cimino, Italy, a small town north of Rome in the province of Vitrebo, Lazio. They're located at the knee of the boot. How should we introduce Soriano nel Cimino? Should we attempt it from the beginning of time, dating back to early centuries of medieval times or when Rome overtook the province in 310 BC? Hmm. Maybe another time. You guys can Google that. There was so much online. I didn't know where to stop. So for now, I'd like to share with you a brief intro from Frommers, offering a rare glimpse of the real Italy. Soriano. And I'm not going to say the whole thing. I think I'll just say Soriano is located in a relatively undiscovered part of Lazio and is a picture postcard of everything one dreams of when visiting the peninsula. A small town with a big personality. It is stunningly situated on the slopes of Monte Cimino and easy distance from both Rome and Florence making it the ideal spot to kick back and relax after a hectic day in one of the main tourist hubs, perfectly positioned along the borders of Lazio, Tuscany, and Umbria. Soriano sits in the center of the ancient Etruscan region of Tuzia, which makes it a great base for visiting the major towns and sites of central Italy. Now, I need to stop pronouncing those words slowly because we're not <laughs> sounding natural. And finally, as described by summerinitaly.com, the foods of Soriano reflect its hillside location, chestnuts, and by the way, they have a chestnut festival, and porcini mushrooms mm. dominate many dishes. But porchetta, which is many of you guys may know, but it's kind of scary when you hear it this way, stuffed and roasted baby pig oh my god it's like piglet and wild boar are popular too along with typical lazio fare like spaghetti alama trishana or la carbonata on to our guest jean mac grew up on long island and zeniba known as zen grew up in rural pennsylvania minneapolis and philadelphia matt earned a bachelor of music from florida state university and zen attended the Eastman School of Music for her bachelor's and master's in music. They are both musicians with the Nashville Symphony and in Nashville's music recording industry for 20 years. They also founded a chamber group, Alias Chamber Ensemble, in which they produce four CDs of modern American classical music, 
including one that received a Grammy nomination. Previously, Zen was a concertmaster at the New World Symphony in Miami Beach, and Matt played full-time in symphonies in Jacksonville and Charleston. He also played and sang in a blues folk band in Charleston. In 2014, they amassed an expertise which they codified into four award-winning guidebooks, and they established their business Little Roads Europe, making itineraries for travelers who want to get off the beaten track in Italy and Ireland. Their very beautiful and informative website is littleroadseurope.com. They also wrote, I Can't Believe We Live Here. Great title, by the way. A book available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kindle for amazing photos of their travels and everyday living. Check out their Instagram site, Little Roads Europe. The couple is still working, and we'll let them tell you about that. In their spare time, they enjoy their interest in reading, history, science, sci-fi, among other things, cooking, traveling, of course, spending time with friends and making new ones, playing music for fun as well as work, and taking care of their three selfish cats. So, Zen and Matt, how in the world did you decide on Soriano nel Cimino? Well, we had visited Italy many, many times over the last 20 years. We honeymooned here in 2006, and we just kept coming back as often as we could. A week here, a couple of weeks there, to the point that by 2019, we had probably been here close to 50 times. 5-0. Yeah, no, it, it sounds crazy, crazy. and, and yeah. it kind of was. But we're, we're uh, consummate cheapskates, and so we saved everything up that we could for travel. In the course of that travel, we got a pretty good feel for the kinds of places that we like, almost always small towns, staying away from the big cities, and the kind of things that we wanted and needed and thought were important about any kind of place, whether to visit or to live. And so we found uh, this town, Soriano Nel Cimino, in 2019 at the suggestion of some friends of ours who had visited this town a couple of times and loved it. So we came to visit in February 2019, and it really checked all of our boxes. Not too big, not too small, not very touristy, which was important for us. Very little English. Uh, yeah, there's almost no English spoken here, which is a challenge for us, but it's a wow. it's one that we welcome. So and it's and it's really beautiful. If you see some of the pictures of the landscapes that we get to see every day, including right out our back door, it's a really beautiful place. The altogether. first time we were here, we noticed right away that the town it's it's piled up on a hill and there's a castle at the top of it. And a lot of the buildings are kind of pastel colored. And we noticed that it looked a lot like the Cinque Terre that everyone visits, except just without the water. So it was just piled up this way. And it really struck us that I remember remarking that to you and saying, it looks like, yeah, it looks like the Cinque Terre, but it's in between Rome and Firenze. And so it's in an area that most people drive by when they are going from Rome home to Vrilanza, they're taking a train or whatever, and they just kind of skip this area because they're going to these major sites. But this area feels to us like what we imagined Tuscany might have been like, I don't know, 40 or 50 years ago. We've seen Tuscany itself change substantially since we started visiting there about a little over 15 years ago. This area, I think, still has a long time that it will remain this way because it's just off the beaten track for tourists. And that that's a big selling point for us. We did find it because of our friends, but then it seemed like after so many years of fantasizing about moving here, when we came here right away, we realized that it ticked all the boxes for us. So we decided we wanted to set down roots if we could. Is it really not touristy? Because there seems to be a bunch written about it. Even one of our past guests, Mm -hmm. Carol Colborn, she wrote about it for Travel Await. So there are some articles about it. There really aren't that many tourists? Not really. Well, when you compare it to most of the hot spots in Tuscany, for instance, or certainly because it's a town of 9,000 people that is dwarfed by the likes of Florence or Siena or Also, Rome, it's easiest to reach by car. And most people don't want to go by a car. So when you, we, many people, when they travel, want to go on package tours, on bus tours, and they don't really come here. And that's a selling point for us big time. So people that are traveling by car might venture out and come here. But would you ever see a bus unload a whole bunch of people? Not unless it was a school bus, right. you know? So, <laughs> so it's one of the reasons why we liked this place is because we're just over an hour from Rome. That puts us quite close to, obviously, major airport. And that's really good. 
But the public transportation system here is not particularly awesome. It exists, but it doesn't have the efficiency or the frequency that, for example, Florence does, or even towns like maybe San Gimignano that everyone goes to. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't have those kinds of, it's just a little trickier to to get here. And that's perfect because that means that only people who really want to get here, get here. And that's why we like it. So we do want to have tourists that come here, but just not to the point where our places that are here yeah, are the places. Are that are, yeah. Or, or feel that they need to have um, like Slim Jims and <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups or something. All right. I have to ask, you've been to Italy at least 50 times, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming you didn't know each other when you were two years old. Where else did you go? What about Ireland? You love Ireland, right? Was that a consideration? In terms of mo- moving there? Yeah. To live there? Oh, yeah. yeah we thought thought about that for sure. But when I was looking into the legal restrictions, first of all, when we moved, we were, well, I must have been 48 or nine and you were like 53 or something like that. I was 50, I was 51 and you were 47. Dio. Okay. Well, that's worse than that. Okay. Well, anyway, whoops. But definitely in working age, we had to keep working because we're not zillionaires. We didn't buy Apple stock in the eighties or anything like that. And so we had to actually work. We don't have any family money or anything like that. So we were looking about where we could move to and we would have to to work. And as we looked at Ireland, it just was frankly too expensive. It was too difficult to get a working visa. And, and, you know, the income requirements are quite large here for Italy now for retirees, which we would never make um, if we they they keep changing it because they keep making it a little bit more difficult because they it used to be a little bit easier. And sometimes people that came here maybe 20, 30 years ago mm-hmm. are, are just a little confused when you say about how difficult it is because when they came, it was more like you just come and then you just stick around and don't leave and then you're done. Yeah, uh, It's yeah. definitely not like that anymore. Anyway, Ireland was really something we thought about with seriousness. But as I said, the rules were kind of too complicated. Also, we were looking at it from a point of view of what would be best for us as a business because we do itineraries to Ireland and also to Italy. But since we are covering much more ground in Italy, it would be smarter to be here. And it kind of weighed that against having to learn a second language when you haven't written a term paper in 25 years. (laughs) But you definitely wanted to leave the U.S., I suppose, right? I mean, Nashville's so cool. I assume you guys travel back quite a bit. (laughs) I've been back to the U.S. once to visit some family since we moved in 2019. About a year and a half ago, I went back for a week. And Zen hasn't been back to the States at all. Nashville is a really nice town. As we lived there for 20 years, we watched change a lot from a town that fostered and invited and brought on artists and musicians and also respected its history of food. Nashville had a lot of kind of a small bunch of neighborhoods all put together into one town, but it felt like they respected that history. And it turned itself into kind of a gross caricature of itself over time. Part of that was it becoming the U.S. capital for bachelorette and bachelor parties. Really? Uh, Yeah, over Vegas. So it was our tourism bureau that was bringing people in as a party place, like a resort town for like a country fried time or something. (laughs) And they would go around on these pedal taverns where, you know, there's like a table and everybody's pedaling and drinking and then also vomiting. And it was (laughs) into traffic, into traffic. And And, and by the way, those of us that rode scooters to work in traffic didn't really like that particular aspect of of the pedal tavern. It did uh, turning it into sort of a, uh, a theme park version of what Nashville used to be or what people Yeah, we called it the Honky Tonk Industrial Complex. So let's move on to housing. Do you rent? Did you buy? Tell us how you found your abode. Well, when we came to this town at the suggestion of these friends of ours, they also connected us to a realtor, Agenzia di Immobiliare, is the real estate agency, and connected us to this guy who's a real estate agent. And so we asked him to show us around to a few places here. And some of them were just ridiculously inexpensive. We told him we had 
had a cap of $50,000, we said. So that would have been about 40, 45 euro, 45,000 euro or so. But we wanted to spend nowhere near that much because we didn't really know how or if we could really do that. And we saw a whole bunch of different places and we found this little apartment that's about 500 square feet, I think. Yeah. It cost 26,000 euro all in. But then we had a few things done to it. We had one wall knocked out and we had a couple of upgrades to it, like just some electrical things. Minor, minor things. Not, uh, not too big. And then we also put furniture in here and we had some painting done. But if you take it all together, like salt shakers, toilet paper, every single thing that we did got us to $43,000. Oh, it's really so, nice. Yeah. And how many great. bedrooms? Well, it's one room for everything, darling. So studio. Okay. It's, it's basically a studio and- <laughs> thing. Yeah. One of the walls that we had knocked down by one of the contractors had previously partitioned off a bedroom space that was so small you couldn't actually open the door all the way. So they they ripped down all the all the interior walls, which were made of cardboard apparently. But the external is old, old stone and it's small but it's solid and we love it. And it's got a little terrace out back that overlooks the castle at the top of our town. And oh so my God. Wow. That was the thing that sold us on it because the terrace is really quite large for a terrace. Usually a lot of terraces or balconies in Italy are actually functional. They're different than right, they are in the US. Up. They dry their laundry. They put yeah. their recycling mm-hmm. and it's like a kind of almost like an outdoor cleaning cabinet and it takes on a whole different functional part of the house in the u.s it would be just an enjoyment space right. and ours is really large so we have it's utilitarian and fun space mm-hmm. and it looks out onto the castle which is it's the cover of our book actually and okay. it was the biggest selling point for us because even though the inside is small the windows are large and they all look out onto this view you can be sitting in here doing work all day but the view you have is just to die for the elevation seems high enough do you need an air conditioner well yeah well because we also know the thick walls you know so kind of cool. Yeah. It depends on one's tolerances for heat. But in general, because we're up on a mountainside, it's cooler than it is, say, down in Rome, much closer to sea level, so that we do get a lot of good, nice, cool mountain breezes. That said, this past summer and the previous couple of summers have been quite warm, well up into the 90s for long stretches of time. And it left us wishing we had air conditioning sometimes. <laughs> Nights are still manageable, but it got pretty warm. We bought some industrial size fans, and that was about it. Most people here, I should say in Italy generally, but particularly in a small town like this, at this sort of latitude, don't have air conditioning. That's why you'll see that they have their windows, um, doors locked up. It looks almost kind of prison-like when people have their shutters closed, these metal <laughs> shutters over windows. Yeah. And, yeah. But they do that as soon as the sun comes up, they do that to have the sun not come in the house and to kind of trap the cool air inside. Sure. Okay. Now, for me, that would be really tough to take because it also keeps the darkness inside and this is why you would see most italians they would be out in the piazza all day and out having a gelato or out by the fountain taking a walk getting a breeze because the inside of their homes are going to have to be dark until dark when they can open the shutters again and let the house air out we're really fortunate here we have shutters but we've literally never used them because the way that our house is positioned the sun hits us for about an hour in the morning and that's it and so we're not baking in the heat all day and that's that's a really important point and anybody who is looking for a place should definitely consider sun position and air and light because a lot of immigrants and expats that we've met that have moved here have found it difficult because they may want to be home a little bit more. Maybe they don't want to be out every day, all day. And when being home means that it has to be dark for the sunniest days of the year, that can be be kind of tough to take. Yeah. And especially people learned that during the lockdowns when they couldn't leave their home yeah. and then it was dark as hell in there. It's kind of a bummer. So I think it's something definitely for people to consider because also if you had air conditioning, obviously the environmental concerns to think about. Yeah. There's the fact that we're in a European war right now in part over energy. So there's those concerns. And there's also the fact that it's going to cost a bajillion dollars to air condition your home. So I think those are things to consider. Electricity is one of the most expensive uh, utilities here. Of course, air conditioning is one of the biggest consumers of electricity that there are. So now we've been trying to put solar panels on our roof. Oh, nice! And we're we're ready to do it months ago, but we're still waiting to get permission because our house is within 150 meters of the historic town center. So oh, if you were thinking like, oh, I will get solar, like like we were thinking, I will get solar panels to run my air conditioner. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, you so much for the. 
mm-hmm. degrees, you have to make sure that you're legally allowed to have them. If you are out in the country, then it wouldn't be a problem. But if you're close to a historic center, you might not be able to get them because everyone loves Italy because it looks so beautiful and it looks so <laughs> yeah. beautiful because they have laws that you can't have solar panels <laughs> on top of your terracotta roof <laughs> yeah. in a historic yeah. section. Yeah. So, right. so, so what's your electric bill like? Oh, it's not bad. Uh, it varies between 30 or 40 euro per month to maybe 60 per month. Okay. That's what the fan's going 24-7 between June and September. (laughs) And and, I mean, we really have a a crazy amount of fans in here. But Mm -hmm. I would also note that because we were musicians and we were under stage lights all the time at night, like French fries, Mm -hmm. we usually spend our evenings by a string of Christmas lights and a candle, the end. So it is really dark as hell in here at night. You know, I like it to be light during the day and dark at night. And you also have to be morning people, right? Because if you're going to leave the shades up with that sun blaring, the musicians, they can't be morning people. I guess well, you're right. I mean, well, musicians we, that don't sleep. A little sunlight because, never got in my way of be, snoozing. Be, yeah, that's, that's true. You just cover, cover your face up. But in, in fact, it, this brings back something that Zen said a few minutes ago. When you're looking at an apartment, the orientation of it matters because our our big windows that we love so much face north. So we don't get the morning ah, sun in our faces. Lucky. Yeah. You know, um, lucky. It's a very fortunate layout and orientation that we have yeah, and enjoy. Yeah. My brother, who's a police officer, you know, he had a weird shift. So he had these serious blackout blinds. Mm -hmm. And when you walked into the bedroom, it would be like, hello, hello. (laughs) But I also am a bit spoiled. Well, first of all, I I do need AC at the slightest hint of humidity. (laughs) But also the blinds, I think I because I have trouble sleeping. I'm an insomniac, you know, so I would definitely need to like kind of cover my head. Can we talk a bit about the cost of apartments? Do you know what they go for? Apartments? Yeah. yeah. So and, want to rent, and did you consider you know. that? Because some, sometimes it's so much less expensive to rent than to own. Well, that's true. It's a little different here for people who are thinking about that because apartments that you rent here, you usually have to rent on a contract from three to five years. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, it's a serious commitment. But from our point of view, we were talking about going all in. We were not thinking about mm-hmm. actually moving when we okay. bought the place. We were thinking of it as a second home that we would visit mm-hmm. a few times a year as we wrote our fifth guidebook. Okay. And uh, it was only after we spoke to an immigration lawyer that we realized that we had a hope in hell of getting a visa to be able to be here and work. Then everything moved extremely quickly. So we had to make the choice of, are you going to get this, take this work visa and, and go for it now, which is a once in a lifetime Literally, you get a chance once in a lifetime. If you get it, you must use it or forfeit it forever. Or were we going to continue our lives working and living in the U.S.? And obviously, we made this choice. We didn't look at rentals because we weren't thinking in that way. We were thinking it's part of the reason why we ended up with such a small home. Mm-hmm. Because we thought of it as a second kind of vacation pad. And right. so It'll the fact that there. our yeah. bathroom is the size of an airplane bathroom was <laughs> oh, like, well, who cares? Sorry. It's a couple oh, of weeks a year. I wasn't visualizing myself in there as an octogenarian. So it's different now. But this small house living has been challenging sometimes, but it's been really wonderful because ultimately just don't need that much stuff. Yeah. And the right. stuff right. itself is a burden. So yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> To to get back to your question more directly, because of everything that Zen said, we are not very well versed in you know, monthly apartment costs. But I will say we have some friends. In fact, the friends that recommended Soriano to us are in the middle of a five-year lease of an apartment just up in the old historic center, which is a, a little bit bigger than our place. And it actually has rooms, unlike our place. And they're paying 350 euro a month. Okay. Wow. Okay. It's a pretty comfy little one-bedroom place. And they also have a terrace overlooking mm-hmm. yet another beautiful view a different yeah. side of the mountain but you can actually stand up you could do a jumping jack in their bathroom so it's like a real bathroom <laughs> if you wanted to well so you said a one but, bedroom but that, for, a one bedroom that, that's 350 a month 350 a month but keep in mind that's in a quite small town which we love if people are looking at larger cities like florence and rome those costs would be four or five six times that much or more and then depending on how big a place you're talking about. I do think whoever is thinking, and Matt's right about everything, but I do think that whoever is thinking about moving definitely needs to factor in the heating and or air conditioning costs of that place. 
Cars are so low for a series of reasons that we've explained, but we don't have electric heat here either. We run a pellet stove in the winter, oh, and that's okay. very economical and environmentally friendly. But it's when the, for example, this, when we moved here, a bag of pellets cost us three euro a bag, and now they were up to 11 this last year. Oh, and wow. so even though uh, for our friends who had larger homes, they really got socked with those costs because mm-hmm. it was three and a half times what they were used to. And for us, I don't really For us, really it was like it. maybe 70 or 80 bucks more for the whole winter than it was previously. Well, that's that kind of but thing. It, that's very important to no, consider where when people are looking at relocating, that those kind of costs can yeah, be yeah. a hidden thing that you right. wouldn't expect. Right, absolutely. I should mention on today's episode that the euro, we take it for granted, it's always kind of equal to us. But these days, but yeah. One euro is equal to a dollar and 11 cents in the United States. Just, as, just as like whatever the number is in euros, it'll cost you a little bit more mm-hmm. yeah, in yeah. dollars. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to we had recorded a woman who just yesterday lives, um, has a second home in Ghana. Their currency is pronounced uh, CDs. So I'm thinking of, you know, CD oh. marketing and that sure. um, yeah. market. She's like, so that would be 8,000 CDs. I'm like, what the heck <laughs> is that for a bottle of bottled water? Yeah. Um, no, I remember back when Italy, I, the first time I visited here, it was still in the lira. The yeah. One dollar was like 11 jillion lira or something. <laughs> so when you traded in $100, you felt like a millionaire. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, let yeah. me get a wheelbarrow to get this out of here. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but it was very hard to figure the exchange rate if you were yeah. just trying to figure out you know, a simple meal. Yeah. Right. Let's move on to the cost of living. You, you told us about about electricity. And so, you know, we assume that the other costs are pretty on balance, right? Like internet, Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi, stuff like that. Internet seems to be, from our point of view, a lot cheaper here. We get a really good high-speed internet service for about 30 or 35, 40 bucks a month. And you can get them for 20 or so, depending on which package and which company. We actually have two services here because it was a mistake. In our house, we have, we two, have two Wi-Fi. Two high-speed <laughs> Wi-Fi. And it, that was initially a mistake, but ultimately we decided to keep it because we're running a business from here. And then it's very convenient if one of them doesn't work to have the other one and put them both together. And they are still two thirds of the cost of our internet in the US. Okay. So we said, well, let's just have two systems and keep it. It's it's such a luxury. Likewise, our cell phones cost about for the plan, including the data and the the talking and text and whatever, something like 11 bucks a month. And tell us a little about income taxes. I know they can be a little expensive in Italy. That's true. Yes. In general, taxes are higher here because we're working here. We're paying income tax on money we're currently making here in Italy. And that's one of the reasons why they're letting us stay is because we make money here and we pay the taxes on that mm-hmm. here. Again, this is a, a sort of a ballpark number because it's hard to calculate exactly, but it's probably something like 30%. Now, if we're making more money, it might be a higher percentage than that. But as it is, it's about 30, maybe 35%, something like that. And then that, that includes stuff, trade income tax, plus what they call IMPS, which is the, their version of the Social Security. It's just a different acronym for basically the same kind of right. service. Right. Keep in mind, though, that these taxes are paying for healthcare as well as various other Our healthcare services. costs are... Virtually zero, yeah. Well, Again, because we're working here, we're on the public system. Right. We love it. It works great. We were just talking to our financial guy yesterday because we have a guy who handles all our stuff and our accounts in the U.S. And we were saying, listen, what we need to make it here to live here is about 20,000 euro a year. And that gets us everything that we want. Now, keeping in mind that we own our car and we own our home, Mm -hmm. but that Mm -hmm. covers the care of three cats and all of our food and eating out and Mm -hmm. traveling and all of our health concerns, everything. 20,000, yeah. Did you consider moving to one of the 7% tax towns down south? No, Uh, we never took anything like that into consideration. We were looking at areas that we knew pretty well already, which is our sort of area of expertise after all those dozens of trips to Italy. Stretches from Rome at a southern point up to the Alpine Lake. But there were other reasons too. If it were a 7% tax area, it would be in a much, much hotter area. Okay. So then you'd have to take that 7% and add a 
whatever bazillion percent to trying not to be hot. Yeah. <laughs> also, there are less good services there. So you were paying that rate of tax, but then you wouldn't have as good health care and you wouldn't have as good trains or roads. The garbage pickup. And and all like of that. that. At the end of the day, it is a higher rate, but it feels like what you're getting back is certainly more than you're paying in, okay. would be my feeling. <laughs> about it. Can you share the um, property tax with us? I can. It is, for, for us, it is zero because this is our first and only home. Because uh, when we moved from the States, we sold our home. We sold everything, frankly, except our instruments and our cats and a few suitcases full of clothes and stuff. My understanding in general is what this place would have cost us. And keep in mind, it's fairly small, quite small, really. Yeah. It, had this been our second home instead of our primary residence, this would have been costing us about 900 bucks a year. Let's go on to healthcare. You started mentioning healthcare. You're on the public mm. system, so no need for mm. private insurance. Have you used the system? Have you had difficulty locating a primary care physician? We have used and, and do use the system. And no, we haven't had difficulty with that. Again, it's a small town, so it's probably a different story than somebody living in Florence or Rome or Milan. Mm -hmm. For us, it was quite easy. We didn't know a particular doctor that we wanted, so it was not a problem of picking your doctor. They assigned us one based on the fact that there's a pharmacy and a doctor's office just down the street from us that's about a five-minute right. walk away. And they said, well, since you live there, why don't we give you to But this I think doctor. we could have picked. Are you near a hospital? No. The nearest hospital, it takes me 20 minutes to drive there. It would take an ambulance about eight minutes to drive there. <laughs> <laughs> I drive I drive slowly. Yeah. Uh, yeah compared yeah. to most Italians, let alone ambulance. Um, okay. Do most of the doctors you have speak English? Not the ones that we've encountered so far. Our mm -hmm. primary care physician, she speaks no English at all. Neither does her um, immediate assistant who handles a lot of the paperwork and stuff. That's another factor that would be yeah. more challenging for people coming in that didn't have great language skills. Our Italian isn't what we would call fluent, but it is functional. And so we can... Oh, manage. okay. No, but yeah. I would advise, yeah, I like, it. let's say if, if somebody were coming here, they were moving here and they were dealing with it. Like, for example, when I had to go get a mammogram, just a mm -hmm. checkup, I had the appointment made and then went over. It was about 20 minutes from here and nobody spoke English, but I kind of knew what to expect because I'd been through one before. And it was definitely different, a billion times different than the U.S. I mean, there were no scented candles. There was no Enya. Thank God like, there was no Enya. <laughs> it was very industrial. It was kind of, <laughs> let's do this thing. It's interesting in this country. I feel like it's a cultural issue, healthcare, because in the United States, we're kind of raised with these Puritan ideals of covering yourself all the time, being ashamed of your body. And here people discuss health all the time. If somebody sees some of your bits, no one cares. It's just not really hidden. That's why you'll be able to go down to the beach. If you are 95 years old and 600 pounds, you can totally go in a bikini. Nobody cares. They won't even look twice. It's just very, very different. And so it's hard to get used to, honestly, in a healthcare kind of environment, because you are used to more of the privacy. You're handled with kid gloves, it feels like in the yeah. United States a little bit more and in a nice way. It's just different, but it takes some getting used to. Yeah. I'm definitely very anxious about going to the doctor. I, I was in the US, even when I spoke the language, mm -hmm. uh, really hate going and I don't have any real health problems. I just hate going. I guess I would say for people that are coming that if you're not able to speak the language, the best thing you can do is just type out all of your concerns. That's what I oh, do yeah. when I go I to Google the doctor. Translate. Can, yeah, yeah, I do, but yeah. I do it before I get there. Yeah, And if there's it. a way, usually we, we can communicate with our doctor by WhatsApp so I can mm -hmm. tell her what the concerns are ahead of time. And that really helps dial down the anxiety about yeah. the language yeah. and also yeah. save the time of the person there because they've got a list of people waiting to get in. Well, how about the walkability? We heard oh. you have a car. Do you need a car? It depends on what you want to do. Our town is great for walking in terms of being able to get on foot to everything you need within 10 minutes. Grocery stores, pharmacies, your doctor, that all the little shops that we love so much about Italian towns. Car uh, salesman. Yeah, the car the car yeah, salesman. Car we, yeah, I had, to, I had yeah. to walk to the car place my, oh. to get the car. Yeah. But like government offices and all the, things, all the, you can do all the city and, offices and, and everything. You could, you could take a train over to Viterbo, which is the county, what, uh, county seat, or would be equivalent of county seat, where would be all the big offices for the state. And the, it wouldn't be too hard to get to Rome either by public transportation. That's one of the reasons why we chose this town 
if for whatever reason, medical or financial or physical, we couldn't deal with getting around on a car, we could still do almost everything we had to do by walking. And that was an important consideration for us when we were thinking about it. And definitely anybody who's thinking about moving should think about that because for Americans in particular, getting a driver's license here is extremely challenging and costly. You can't just trade them out. And so if you're getting a place in the country that requires a car, then you better make sure you can pass that test. And it, and it ain't easy. It brings us a lot of comfort to know that we're in a place that has pretty much everything we would need by being able to walk. We always made a joke that this town has three pharmacies. And that was one of the deciding factors, because as we got older, if we had to buy something humiliating, we could go buy it at one pharmacy and then not return for like two years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so don't put yourself in too small of a town. We've got to still keep Funny. saying the same face or the same okay. person that you had to buy fill in the blank from. Okay. Tell us about your visa. <laughs> Shortly after we bought this apartment, even though we thought at the time it was just going to be a little second place for us to visit from time to time, back in 2019, this was, we took a visit to an immigration attorney to talk to him about the potential of ever getting to come to live here at some vague point in the future. And he said, actually, with your guys' background as recording musicians and symphony players and organizers of concerts and such, producers of CDs and and so on. You guys would be good candidates to try to apply for a work visa, which this attorney would help us do. And he did help us do. And he said then, you should do it right now because they've just put out new quotas for uh, work visas for the Italian government. And one of the categories is sort of a cultural events organizer and presenter musician slash a concertizing person. Wow. And, and so he applied for this category of work visa. But that was a shock to us when he said, you have to do it now. And he says, you have a very good chance if you do it now. We knew that they were very limited, which is why we hadn't even considered that visa. We thought we don't have any chance. And the, numbers of, the numbers of work visas that they offer every year uh, were uh, very low. It was only 3,000. Yeah, it was 3,000. For the whole world. Oh my God. And then we thought, well, the uh. chances of both of us getting it because we're two individuals was, I mean, give me a break. It's like winning the lottery twice. And now they're down to 500. They've reduced it even further. So we didn't think it was very light. So when he said you should do it, that was part of what precipitated us saying, well, we have to do the whole move right away. Because if he thought we could get it, both of us could get it. I mean, he, he gave us winning numbers to the lottery. You better play them. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's a good point. That's and so he point. prepared our applications and we did all the paperwork. And it was a long process. A, <clears throat> a few months later, they granted us our visas. Once you get your visa granted, you need to use it within 90 days of receiving it or you lose it and you oh, can't uh, wow. and you can't apply again. Oh, and they do a fun little nugget that they add to that when you apply for the visa, you have you have to do it in person. You know, there's only a few consulates that cover the entire United States. So Ours was in Detroit. We were in Nashville, but Detroit hmm. covered our wow. area of Nashville. So we had to fly to Detroit for our in-person meeting to hand in our application, which includes your passports and also a ticket to Italy within that time frame. Showing, showing that you've bought a ticket to get there in a sufficient frame of time to start working if you got the visa. Wow. Yeah. So if they it didn't a, give it It was a big you... leap of faith to buy this ticket. And then if they didn't give it to us and they didn't return our passports on time, we wouldn't have been able to use that ticket at all regardless oh my luckily luckily both things italian bureaucracy i remember when we were trying to get married oh my god well and that's another story but um, i think they're trying in that case seriously i think they are doing it in making it so extreme in an effort to whittle down who is willing to really be serious no because you just the culture no I, i think it's just the culture i mean i can't imagine like we were just going to get married that week anyway there weren't others kind of lining up we easily got in, although we hit a siesta point, so we had to go and take a nap. At the end of the day, it was so nice. We had the mayor of the city marry us. I mean, that was amazing. And we sat in these golden big chairs, you know, red velvet. Every Italian episode that we've had, let go of your expectations like you have in the U.S. If you don't get addressed in two minutes, if the plumber doesn't show the next day, just wait a few days. He will arrive. It's funny. It's hard to expect, as many people do, Dolce Vita. I want it to be really relaxed and old world comfortable yeah. where everyone is a, a focus on family and togetherness and fa- also do everything I want immediately. Also, I want it I right mean, now. Those things don't go together. <laughs> right. Guess what? Guess what? Sorry. The, the guy doing your wedding in 
those guys that work at those offices and the plumber and whoever else, they also want to live La Dolce Vita. That's what we love about mm-hmm. Italy. We totally agree with La Dolce Vita. Believe me. It's a very yeah. interesting point, actually, because I think that anybody who is going to move, like the people that we find that are very successful at moving, that we know here, that really enjoy it, are people who have come because of those differences and are seeking them. Then are looking at recreating their American lives only in a shadow or a memory of something. And and you're only going to want to have a shadow if you're looking, for example, for cheddar cheese. You're (laughs) never going to find a good cheddar cheese. Don't try. You'll be so disappointed. (laughs) Just proceed. And just just enjoy the... Fifty-seven other types of fantastic cheese that there are. It's very interesting, and so it definitely depends on your outlook. Because we also know a fairly decent amount of people who don't like it, and they don't like it because Americans who live here, yeah. But they're looking to for a recreation of what is comfortable, and and which makes perfect sense. Yeah, Yeah, it makes perfect sense. But also, I think it's a good advisement to anyone who is thinking because you need to be ready to embrace the part where they say, "Hey, this office." You, you need this vital document from and it's only open for 15 minutes on every third Tuesday. Oh, you and and you got to think that's cute, you know, because yeah. yeah. if you think it's annoying, you're going to get annoyed. But then you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like that. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's okay. nice. I'm going to fill in all the other time with drinking cappuccino. Yeah. Oh, that. well, that's exactly what we did during CF. <laughs> but about that, are there a lot of echoes in Soriana? Oh, no. No, no. No. This is, I think this is far too sort of out of the way. I think there's one other American. You said there's very little English here, Gene, so I don't know that expats would. Well, I think there's one other American who lives here permanently. That we know. That we know. And then there are a couple of, there's a family of Australians that live here. And there are some people who come in and out. They have a place and they live here for a couple of months at a time. You know, it's funny. There's one woman we've never met and everybody keeps telling us, oh, do you know this woman? Right? Because it comes to the garden shop. We go to the garden shop or, or our plumber was telling us the other day because they connect us with other Americans in their mind. And they say, oh, do you know this woman? She's a Bionda. She's got blonde hair. Of course, we would know each other for sure. And we still haven't met this woman. We don't know, but everyone keeps reminding us of her. Um, But (laughs) it's interesting because they they connect us like, oh, that other American, you must know each other, right? (laughs) You know, for sure. But they understand when we say we don't, we tell them, oh, we live in Soriano. And they say, oh, well, she lives out in the little town next to you that's about five kilometers away. So, of course, you wouldn't know her in that case. (laughs) Because in a small area like this, we tend to find the Italians think of everything in in very small geographical areas. So we've been to restaurants that are a 25-minute drive from here that our neighbors have never even heard of. For example, there is near to our home, about 30 minutes from here, is an ancient Roman theater. It's called Ferento. It is not nearly as big as the Colosseum, of course. It was an outlier. But it's a very well intact ancient Roman theater. It doesn't have any fee to get in. Sometimes they ask you for two euro or sometimes nothing. Sometimes five, whatever. (laughs) It doesn't matter. They have feral cats that live there. And I think that the fee to get in depends on how much cat food they have at that time is my best assessment. <laughs> and, but at any they point, might ask for five they if they're running low on kibble. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> no one's ever kibble. there. It's a really quite large site. We really enjoy it. And we have been there a few times ourselves and also to bring our friends who have visited. And our friend who lives here has two small children. And we were posting some pictures to Facebook about it about like two years ago. And just keep in mind, it's 25, 30 minutes from here. And she said, oh, I've never been there. Wow. She's lived here her whole she, life. She's she, 47. She grew up here, yeah. She goes, oh, I'm going to take my boys there now. There's such a plethora of things to see. So yet another theater, like who cares? Yeah, you're bound right. to miss something. Even also, if it's all here. the way over yeah. there. 30 yeah. minutes all the way yeah. over there. Yeah. Why am I going to go? Yeah. Where, where is the nearest airport? Oh, that's Fiumicino in Rome. It, okay. Well, actually, I guess it's the totally nearest would be Perugia in Umbria, but that's a regional oh, airport. It's pretty small, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So you could maybe go interflights in Europe. But the couple, the only couple of times that we've flown since we moved here have been from Rome, either Ciampino or Fiumicino. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Matt, the last time you went home to the U.S., you went which route? I went from Fiumicino to, I don't know, Newark or something. And then, oh, okay. And then down, okay. And then down to Richmond. Okay. So you um, had a direct flight to the U.S. Yeah, it's pretty easy to get direct flights from Fiumicino in Rome. 
to the U.S.? The best airports, if somebody was coming from the U.S. and they wanted to go directly into Italy, are Milan Malpensa, Rome Fiumicino, and Venice. Smaller airports like Florence, Firenze, or Naples usually only have direct flights from JFK. If that. Otherwise, to a European city like Amsterdam or Paris or whatever. Mm -hmm. Talk about traveling. You have a tour business. You do itineraries going into small country towns. And the name of it is Little Roads Europe. When you order one of these itineraries, what do you get? That's a that's a great question. Thanks for thanks for asking that. <laughs> Typically, we get a contact from a client who's filled out a questionnaire on our website telling us about what they want to be doing and when and how many people and all that. We end up having a conversation with them on the phone for an hour or so to talk about different options, different strategies on buying flights and looking at rental cars and so on. And then the kinds of places in general that they'd want to visit. And we build their itinerary, which means we plan pretty much every step from the time they land. Well, really from the time they get their rental car until the time they drop the car off at the end of the trip. We help them organize and book lodgings that we recommend staying in places that we've stayed ourselves so we know what it's like and what to we make a lot of meal reservations for them at very special places that we know very well and have eaten and drunk far too much over the years. <laughs> and, and we all, set up activities for we, them. We, like we, like we, we have some clients this morning that are taking a cooking class in Tuscany. And at this point in our careers with that, we turn away more people than we accept because we're really hitting a kind of niche group of people who want to be in small towns. And we're just trying to make it easier for people to visit small towns. People that want to visit Rome, Venice, Florida, Florence should be going to like larger agencies that cover, we don't cover they, that. They definitely don't need our help to find information about Florence and Rome. Yeah. The places we're sending people are smaller, lesser known, therefore lesser touristed, and we hope more sort of authentic and more enjoyable because there are fewer people. Yeah, like the cooking class, you can find a cooking class in Tuscany very easily, yeah. but a lot of them feel kind of finto, which is fake. So the one that we send people to, we have a couple we send people to that we've done ourselves, and they're cooking actual Tuscan food. You you won't be making spaghetti and meatballs and a gelato or something. You're, you're making Tuscan food from that area. And the one that we sent our clients to today, it's in an organic vineyard. And then they cook with the matriarch of the family in her kitchen, in her home. Oh, so nice. And, and you were Grammy nominated. Oh, how exciting was that? Congratulations. <laughs> well, you know, that, that was an exciting time for us. We actually, Ben and I actually went to the Grammys that year. You oh, were yeah? also on CBS Sunday Morning. That's a big fast forward. And that happened. And during our lockdowns here of the pandemic, which started just a few months after we moved here, we started doing these balcony concerts at our house. At, at first, just for our neighbors, everybody has balconies facing this little valley where we are. So it was initially just for them. And then we started broadcasting it on Facebook Live. And then uh, our town picked up our Facebook transmission and broadcast it into the town square on their on the city's oh, wow. system. Yeah. And so we would finish playing and then we could hear the echo like four or five seconds delay of our last few notes playing across the valley there. So CBS got wind of it and they sent well, no, they were going to send a crew up here, but then they couldn't work out the legality because travel was still strictly forbidden. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, you remember we didn't want to we didn't want to talk to our mayor, our town mayor. It was a health crisis, so we didn't want to say, "Hey, can you take time away from coronavirus concerns <laughs> to deal with our camera crew?" <laughs> yeah. So we just said, "Listen, we can't we can't ask for uh -huh. local help." So 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 we did a we did a uh, interview with the CBS guys on CBS Sunday morning, just like mm -hmm. we're doing this right now. Who yeah, was well, it? <laughs> it was Seth. Uh, it was, it was Seth. Seth Stone. Oh. We did the interview like this. And then we got one of our neighbors who lives across there to take some pictures and some a little bit of footage of us playing across the valley. And they lifted some footage from our Facebook transmissions, which were then archived on Facebook. And then we took a bunch of, as Zen said before, B-roll on our own phones, uh, just of me making coffee and Zen hanging some laundry and whatever else. <laughs> of, oh us corralling the cats to keep them from barfing on the bed. And, things like <laughs> okay. and so, and then they put together that as part of the piece that they did, which was on people in Italy playing music from their balconies all over the oh, country. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was very so, that, I got to say, really though, fun. on a personal note, I don't yeah. want to sound too complainy, but I had been writing to CBS Sunday Morning for like 15 years as the artistic director of my my chamber ensemble. Mm -hmm. And I'd been sending it to like their whatever random, I think the email address was delete my email immediately at <laughs> cbssundaymorning.com. <laughs> whatever I sent it to you, I don't know. But I was always saying, hey, look at our chamber group and all the things that we're doing. And we'd yeah. love to be featured on your papa boo. Yeah. And so when they contacted
connected us, having no idea that I'd been writing to them unrequitedly for so long. Yeah. I was so excited. And so it was just a little bit of a bummer for me when I was like, wait a minute, I have to do the footage myself on a flip phone? <laughs> I mean, why don't I just draw all the things on a set of cards and I just flip them through? <laughs> and you can, I mean, this is outrageous, you know? <laughs> or we could have done courtroom sketches. Yeah, oh, that would have been good. <laughs> yeah, we could have done courtroom yeah. sketches. Yeah. Right. Oh, such a bummer. You guys wrote a book about moving to Italy called I Can't Believe We Live Here. Why did you write that book? Why did we write it? Yeah. And what prompted you? The experience was really singular, I think, in terms of how fast our decisions were made and how fast the planning had to happen. And how many things went crazy? All the, all the things that had to fit into place to make the move and then things that happened after the move, foremost being the pandemic, obviously. If it's okay, I, I would I would like to say the entire title of the book, because I can't believe we live here is the title. The subtitle is The Wild But True Story of How We Dropped Everything in the States and moved to Italy right before the end of the world. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the process of the move, the visas, the cats, the pandemic, and everything before and after was just such a marking experience to us. A lot of people have subsequently asked us a lot of questions about various aspects of what we did in the last few years. And of course, we had all these thoughts about everything too. So well, it, and, it and seemed like a... Too, our, our path is so different from normal or the usual expats or immigrants here. I still don't know any Anybody here in this country that has a work visa. Mm. They haven't from, met any. From the States, yeah. The thing where we are not retirement age and we're not Italian descent and we're not married to an Italian. Those are like the three big roots. They're here. They, they are either married to an Italian, they gained citizenship through Italian descent or... Um, they work. No, or, they are or, retired. Or they're reti retired. They, yeah. they have a decent money, amount yeah. of money. They're, yeah. they're yeah. hanging out on that. But none of those apply to us. We're just middle class people who had no Italian pedigree to speak of and we are married to each other. And although we did discuss divorce and remarriage to Italians as a possible scheme, <laughs> so um, we could never figure it out. We, we, we never found any takers. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's a good one. We're really willing to look into every single option, but so okay, we were the only okay. one like us. And so we thought it was a story worth writing that some people might find interesting because it is kind of crazy. It's not, it's not exactly under the Tuscan sun, no. but, but so far anyway, happy ending. I haven't finished, but I started reading it. It's really entertaining. Anyway, it is. Oh, cheers. We felt like yeah. we uh, we were talking about this just today. We felt like we should have put a little parental advisory because there is more than a little bit of cursing in it. Oh, well, uh, you so, know what? Our show, it's like the safe category. So neither okay. one of you That's said anything. I think Zen said flipping, which I love. Oh, I will adopt, yeah. you know, like what the flip is that? I, I love that. <laughs> Some people say fudge and I'm like, that's too hard to say. Try fark. Fark is a good one. Oh, oh, no, no, that's it's rough, man. Close, <laughs> but not cigar. I like Once your work visa runs out, are you going to be able to stay in Italy? How, well, how does that work? That's a, that's a great question. The work visa is what allowed us to come here and stay for long enough to apply to, essentially, we have to keep reapplying to stay further every couple of years right. for another couple of years. The basis of getting to apply for that continuing to stay is our work visa. So the work visa itself doesn't exactly ever expire. Oh. Our permits to stay have to be renewed every couple of years. And as long as we show that we're earning and paying taxes, in theory, they'll let us stay indefinitely. And so that's what we just have to keep oh. up with. Once we hit the 10-year mark, then we are eligible to apply for a citizenship. Now we are at... We've we're applied. in just over three years now yeah. so far. So. so we've just reapplied for our work visas to renew them for another two years for another two years and then after that we are eligible to apply for what they call long-term stay visa or to be honest i'm not really sure how that is going to work out whether or not they will extend it usually they extend it for five years and then you would hit your 10-year mark of being eligible eligible is different than get you know <laughs> yeah i think they have a bit of an attitude that if you have worked here for a while and you've been paying into the system you haven't been arrested you haven't done anything wrong. Right. And then they are saying, well, you know, maybe we'll take a chance on you continuing yeah. to not do anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. You've contributed, and, you know, it's a contribution. Yeah. So I think, right. they're, I yeah. think they're thinking that, but 
it's uh, that's that's our plan. We we want to stay as long as they allow us to stay. We want to stay. So on that note, we love chatting with you guys. <laughs> I feel like this kinship. Uh, we're not as funny as you, but uh, you know, on a good day, you know, I think, I think we can do it. So listen, uh, no, this has been a lot of fun. We've learned a lot. Our listeners are going to love this show. We've had I think six episodes on Italy, but this really goes to that whole portfolio, and we really appreciate it. Great, it was special. Great, our heart is all. Also in Firenze. And so thank you Great. very, very much. Thanks for inviting us. We love to talk to you. Thank, thank you. you. We had a really okay. fun time. Thank you for having us. Okay. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com and you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.